0: Uh, well, this morning, um, it's, uh, it's an interesting uh, Sunday morning for us actually here. You know, um, I was reminding this, this morning I was coming into this space that, you know, we always tend to have our plans, and then God has his plans, and uh, his plans are always better than ours, right? Um, but we always have our plans, and um, uh, here, we're, we're always pretty planned. Uh, but it's been one of those seasons uh, where, you know, particularly with, with summer, in English speaking ministry, but more so with, uh, with COVID still being, a, I guess, a somewhat of an issue um, in, in Korea. It always causes uh, us to, to make changes and, and audible and all that. Um, if you've been a part of our gathering, you know the last two weeks, um, Pastor Levi has been teaching, uh, bringing us through the book of Haggai verse by verse. Um, and that was the intention today. Um, unfortunately, um, while I was in America about like two days ago, um, he messaged me and let me know that he got COVID. And, um, and so um, he is not here today uh, to preach uh, in, in Haggai. And so uh, what we would do is typically then turn around and um, Pastor Kerry was kind of on, on call here, but then he flew to Canada this, this week. Um, and so I was sitting there thinking, oh oh my goodness, um, am I going to have to write a sermon on the on the airplane? I didn't want to do that. Um, I, I'm still jet lagged. I'm kind of half here right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, um, and so just start, thought through um, what, what that's going to look like uh, for Sunday. What are we going to do? Just extended worship. And maybe we'll just do like eight songs and, and just, just pray. Um, and then I got a message Thursday that the person who was supposed to lead worship, he got COVID. Um, and that is uh, Paul, Kim. Um, and so uh, he got COVID. And so um, you saw David up here. Thanks, David, for, for being here. But he just flew in like on Thursday. So he's up here jet like uh, going through that, I'm sure, as well. Um, um, and so that that happened. We also have a um, our, our small groups here. We call them missional families. We have a, a really big training happening after the, the service today. And I'm excited about that. And the person who is leading that training, she got COVID um, as well. And so I'm going to make that up this morning or this this afternoon. So it's just one of those Sundays. And yet at the same time, um, again, I was reminded this morning, uh, we have our plans, uh, but God has his plans. Um, and he wasn't surprised uh, by this, that the songs that were sung today with the team that was doing worship, they were supposed to be here. Um, and at the same time, um, the person who is going to be preaching for us today, um, it's the sermon that we're supposed to hear um, as, as a gathering. And so I'm really excited uh, to to hear and, and to learn this morning. Uh, Pastor Shin Han, he's from Korea. Um, he is actually on staff at Gospel City. Um, uh, he's been there since 2017. Um, if you're not familiar with Gospel City Church, um, it's a church that um, I wouldn't say we directly work together with, but we certainly have a really close partnership. Um, we're um, two of the, I guess, um, I don't know, better known churches in the Yongsan area, um, if you will. Um, Pastor Joel um, Yoon is the lead pastor of that gathering. He has been a a very close friend of mine um, for almost four years now. Um, We see each other on a regular basis. Um, It wouldn't be out of the norm if he and I saw each other three to four times a month just to meet together and encourage um, one another. And so we have sort of an indirect partnership um, praying for one another. Um, our gatherings are very like-minded, um, particularly in the sense that we want to uh, see gospel-centered churches uh, being built and planted all around Korea. We share that same heart. And so um, today, Pastor Shin comes with that heart uh, for us. He grew up in a small town um, in the east uh, of Korea. He spent his 20s in Pohong And uh, he moved to Seoul in 2017 to pursue his Masters of Divinity at Torch. Trinity. He is married uh, to his wife, Hannah, and he's been married to her now for seven years. And I'm really excited again for him to share with us. I was telling our, our, uh, our huddle this morning as we were praying, um, uh, Pastor Shin is one of the most humble people uh, that you'll ever meet. Um, even today, just asking him. You know, a lot of guys, they come and they want, they're going to they're gonna preach, and they want things a specific way. Can I get this mic, mic this way, this volume, a stand? I want it this high and because, you know, it's a, it's a very particular thing. And so this morning I come in and, Shin, how can we serve you? What do you want? He's like, anything's fine. Uh, the volume's fine. You do it. Uh, the, the stand, you can be here or here. It doesn't matter. I'll, it doesn't matter. That's just who he is. And so I'm really, really encouraged always by him. And I'm really looking forward to him sharing with us from Galatians chapter 6 this morning. So why don't we welcome Pastor Shin together? Let's give him a warm welcome.
1: It's good to be here, um, worshiping God together with Freedom Village. Um, I'm so thankful, Uh, like Pastor James mentioned. um, I think we have a good relationship, Gospel City Church. Pastor Joel, our lead pastor, has a really good relationship with Pastor James. And, you know, even during COVID, uh, when we had no place to worship and doing our live streaming, uh, I think we spent... Uh, a few months here uh, downstairs to uh, like do our worship service uh, to do live streaming, um, so we're always thankful to uh, you know Freedom Village Church, and uh, I'm so glad that I am able to worship God together uh, this morning. Um, and if it's okay, I would like to open up this time uh, in, in prayer. So can we just pray one more time uh, for the Word of God, um, Heavenly Father? We give thanks to you uh, this morning. Um, and uh, we give thanks to you for your grace upon us, Lord. And, and I pray that um, as we look into your word and as we look into uh, uh, what you're speaking to us, um, we hope that your grace will work in our own hearts in such a way that changes us to be more like you, Lord. Um, so God, we give thanks to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, so, like Pastor James introduced about myself, uh, I'm from Korea. Uh, I grew up in a very small town uh, in the east coast, uh, where it's, it's a province called like gangwon And you know, I have to admit, as Korean, uh, Korea is changing a lot. It has changed a lot, I think, past I don't know 10, 20 years, and it's changing a lot even today. Uh, but one thing, um, as Christian, uh, what I experience is also. Um, how people see the Christianity is also changing. I think it has changed a lot. Um, when I was young, uh, when I was grew up in school, um, when I was young, um, as a Christian, I was never a majority. like At school or with friends, I was never a majority. But at the same time, I was never experienced uh, being attacked or being you know, severely mocked because I go to the church on Sundays. But this past 10 years, I think more and more I experience people are really, I think, hostile to Christianity. I think they have... I'm talking about Korea. Um, you know, there are people are uh, very... Um, have negative... Uh, they have negative connotation of being identified as a Christian or anything to do with uh, the church. And I'm not sure about your own context. but Maybe, maybe you are coming from... Like you're, maybe you're experiencing like like uh, the experience like me like um, you're uh, coming out from the context where the Christianity is you know majority of the society but you're going into one that Christianity Christianity is not and then you'll experience and you'll realize that oh there are people who are actually attacking Christianity oh, just because you know it's Christianity <laughs> and. In that sense, I think the passage that we read today is, is very, very relative to, um, relevant to us. Because the passage, the book of Galatians, was written to the people who were surrounded by these like, people who are attacking the church because of what they believe. And not only that, they were surrounded by the people who are telling them, hey, you know what? What you're believing in, that's not the gospel. You know, believing in Jesus is not enough. Actually, you have to believe in Jesus, and also you have to keep the law, the Jewish law. That's how you become the Christian. So they were surrounded by the the people who are not just attacking them, but people who are presenting this different gospel to them. And then, isn't it what we experience these days? Like, you will experience more and more, not just attacking you uh, in terms of your faith, what you believe, but there will be people who are saying that, hey, the gospel do you believe in? It's, it's actually not right. There will, there will be people who are presenting different gospel. And I think that's why the passage like this is so important for us and relevant to us. Because it speaks to the people in such context and how can we live in such context like not pretending or not hiding but at the same time nor like being completely going like going away from the world like going to monastery but still being in the world being salt and light and what we read from today's passage is about boasting in the cross the cross Especially verse 14, you know, Paul, when Paul speaks about boast in the cross. I think Paul shares with the Galatians that, you know what, in, in, this, in this context where people are attacking you and people are presenting different gospel to you, this is what I boast in. I boast in the cross. And that's what we want to look into today um, as, as we look into the book of Galatians. So what is the cross? Like, does cross has any meaning to you personally. And as we are looking into this meaning of the cross, and what does it mean to boast in the cross, uh, I want to uh, share the three aspects from our passage. One is offensiveness of the cross. We'll begin with that. And then we want to look into the centrality of the cross. And then lastly, we want to look into the power of, of the cross. So first, the offensiveness of the cross. I think we need to understand this, the offensiveness of the cross. In our passage, Paul talks about these people. And he's been talking about these people in the whole book of Galatians, but Paul talks about these people who insisted that Christians need to get circumcised. And there were people who were insisting that yeah, you you need to believe in Jesus, but you you also need to keep these laws. You also need to get circumcised to be uh, true Christian, true God's people. But here, what's at stake is the gospel, and I want to look at the verse two. Um, it says like this: verse two. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be. Persecuted for the cross of Christ. Paul points out the heart motivation on why they were insisting on such things. What was their heart motivation in verse 2? It was related to their response to the cross. Because the message of the cross was bringing some sort of persecution you know, it offended people. And some people were actually horrified by this idea of the cross. It, it made them not just angry, but furious. So they actively persecuted the ones who were spreading this message. And, and you know what? Paul knew this very well from his own experience because once he was on the side of being furious about this message of the cross. And then he actually went... Out and hunt down people. But later he experienced himself being beaten and mobbed because he was the one who speaks about the cross. You know, once he was offended by the message of the cross, but later he was attacked because of the message of the cross. And today's passage is not the only place that he talks about the offensiveness of the cross. There are many other places. Even in the book of Galatians, if you look at the chapter 5, verse 11, you know, he was saying, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. You know, the message of the cross, the message of the gospel that includes cross was offensive. You know, it made people just not uncomfortable but furious. You know, it, it brought Huge persecution and, but why? Why was it? Why is it so offensive? Because as someone who lives in modern and modern post-Christian world, it, it's hard to fully grasp why it's so offensive to people in such way. Why was it so offensive? One, I think the cross was offensive because. The object of the cross itself was the sign of other curse and cruelty. And every culture has taboo. The things that is condemned and you don't even mention. And in ancient time, in Paul's time, the cross was taboo. It was, it was like humiliating execution tool. And the idea of the cross was horrifying. Like that, you dare not to even mention. In their time, people didn't even use the word cross that often because people are, get offended. You know, when they have to use this, the term cross, they, they use the different languages, like, oh, you know what? Like, hang him on the tree. And that, that was one of the idioms that people used for the cross. And th- so, this was the obvious reason that we need to know because the object of the cross itself in the time, was really, really offensive things to mention. And we need to ask ourselves, then why Paul even used that term, the, the cross? But two, it was offensive because the message of the cross. There was certain message that this cross was carrying, and that message was offensive to many people. What was the message of the cross? The cross, like we mentioned, the object cross was the place of utter curse and utter cruelty. It was a place of death. And the message of the cross was telling you that the place of the curse and cruelty is actually what you deserve. And think about it. How can it not be offensive? And it says that you actually deserve death you deserve curse and you deserve cruelty you know it's one thing simply saying to people that hey you know you're wrong you're not right but it's the other thing that saying to people the cruelty and the curse of the cross is what you deserve it is deeply offensive message if you truly understand what it says to you so paul's time when he was writing this letter, uh, the cross of the cross was deeply offensive, and particularly for devout Jews, I, I believe they were furious because Paul's message was that this person who seems like deeply cursed by God, he must be the source of your righteousness, and it, and it was telling them that despite your devoutness and your zeal and you're, what you do for God, eventually, they are eventually rubbish. They, they still, you, know, you still deserve death, curse, and judgment unless you know this person who can give you the true righteousness. And it's not for, only for the people back then. It's not only for the people like, like devout Jews, but this message... Is offensive to every human being if you really understand what it means. Like, for example, modern people like you and me. On on first glance, yeah, of course we're not that offended by the objective cross. You know, we wear them in, in, as a jolie, as a as a like uh, necklace, um, and yet, if if someone truly understands the message of the cross, it's deeply offensive. If you speak to a person who never heard about Christianity and about this message. And if he, really or he or she really understood what the cross implies, most likely it will be a very offensive idea to that person. You will hear people saying that, how dare you say that I'm cursed? I'm a sinner and I deserve that. And if you speak to the people who lived a fairly good life, They will reject this idea. They cannot agree. And if you speak to the people who actually have the many wrongs, like whether it's murder or crimes, they will get angry because they're ashamed. But not only that, we'll meet people in the church who grew up in the church and yet deeply offended by this idea when they truly understand its message because the message of the cross will tell you this. You know what, you who have been trying to live a good life, who trying to like who did really their best to love others and who really didn't commit any serious crimes, but you deserve the same destination, the same punishment with those who are out there lived a rebellious life, who committed outrageous things. Committed serious sins. You will find people who are bothered by this idea. Hey, you know what? I lived, I grew up in the church. I know God. But still, unless I really depend on the rely on the righteousness of Christ, am I still in the same standing with someone out there who has done like outrageous things? You know, we all will be offended by. That idea. So why is it important for us to understand this? Because one day, you know, like I said, we will meet people who is offended. Either believer like who says that I can't believe about it. But, or unbeliever who says that I can't agree what you're saying, that I deserve this. And I, I don't want us to get confused or scandalized or puzzled thinking that, oh, like, why are these people so offended? Because we have to understand that it is offensive message. But I want us to be ready and prepped to talk about the cross in a way that leads beyond offensiveness, but to the wonders of the cross that we all know. But more than that, you know, some of us may have been in the church for a while, been in, like, grew up in the Christian family, but you have never offended by the message of the cross. And, and if that's you, then maybe you haven't really deeply pondered on what the cross really is, what the message really like, conveys. Because it's totally possible for us to sing a song about wonderful cross, but deep in our hearts, we never understood why it is wonders, like, wonderful. And it's totally possible for us to read about the cross and wonder why. Why like, is it even like, important? Or is it even necessary? And maybe the reason is because you, know, you never thought about how offensive it is. What the message that it really carries. And now, um, when you have something offensive to tell, what do people do? What do people do? What do you do when you have to communicate something very you know that oh it 's offensive. I think what we do is what people do is either we hide it or minimize it or we sometimes misrepresent it um, in our time and age. We have many different advertisements going on TV and and sometimes I think companies are legally bound to share certain information like, in, like, be, to be included in the advertisement and which necessarily they don't want to share. For example, I, I always saw the insurance advertisement that sounds like it will cover me back like, at any situation. It's telling me that, like, you know, we'll pay whole fee if you get cancer. Um, it will cover whole fee if you get into car accident. You, know, we'll see, you, you will see these like languages uh, in the in the um, in the adver- advertisement, but there is always this tiny letter at the end, like you know, talking about this like small condition. You know what? Within two years, we only cover fifty percent. And um, in terms of car accident, if in certain situations, you know, it only applies like fifty percent. We're not actually covering. 50, uh, the whole fee. You know, we always see this in this life. When we communicate something disadvantageous to us, something or like, something offensive to other people, we, we hide it or we minimize it or we use different words. We, we try to uh, go like different route to present this idea. But New Testament is very opposite. Look, look what Paul does in our passage, and all the letters he's writing uh, he, he writes down: "The cross is everywhere. The cross is up front." And you have to know that the cross was much more offensive thing back then than it is to us. And we need to ask, like, is the word cross" that necessary? Because for Paul's time, if the cross was really a horrifying thing, if it was really unmentionable terminology and the concept and idea, like why do you even have to use this term cross when you want to communicate the idea of the gospel? And in that sense, I think the New Testament is very bold and honest because it does not hide it, it does not minimize it, and Paul does not use Different terminology. But Paul does very opposite thing. Like he says, he puts the cross up front. He says that, hey, you know what? This is my identity. He boasts in the cross. Cross was not um, simply background for his message for the gospel. But it was non-negotiable. It was a central thing of his message. So cross, there's a centrality of the cross. It was a central to Paul's life, Paul's ministry, and the message that he preached. Let's look at verse 13 and 14. It reads like this. Uh, For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. They desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But verse 14, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We just read verse 13 and 14 here. I think we see another reason, another hard motivation that Paul points out on why these people insist that you need to get circumcised. You know, we mentioned that, oh, they did it to uh, avoid persecution. But it was not just about getting away from the persecution, but it was about boasting in something. Paul is saying this, you know, these people are telling you that faith in Jesus is not enough, uh, but you also need to do, practice the circumcision in order to be you know, true God's people. You know, what their desire, they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So Paul points out that their hard motivation of insisting and getting away, like trying to uh, getting away, running away from the idea of the cross is because they want to boast in something else. And Paul says, that's not for me. Far be it from me. You know what? I will never boast in my flesh. I will never boast in keeping the law. I will never boast in my zeal. But I boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is the centrality of the cross in Paul's message. You know, despite its intrinsic offensiveness as an object of the cross, despite its offensiveness that the, that it has as a message for Paul, it's not something that you want to hide. It's not something that he wants to minimize, it, but rather this is something he says we need to boast in. The cross is not simply what we need to understand, but it's something that we must take as the central figure of our identity, of our life. So I want to ask you this question. What is boasting? Do you ever use this word boasting in your daily lives? Because... You know, as on ESL, um, to be very honest, I never heard or I never saw this word outside of the Bible. You know, like no one really comes to me and tell me, hey bro, I, I boast in my new MacBook Pro that I got. You know, I, I boast in my success, I boast in my career. I never ever heard the people using this word boast. The Bible is the only place that I see this word, a boast. And yet, if you really think about it, you'll realize that boasting happens in every layers of our lives. And sometimes it's visible, or other times it's not, but in our hearts, we always boast in something. You know, boasting is a posture of our hearts where we draw our confidence as a human being. And every human being As a person, we boast in something. We we draw our confidence. We draw our affirmation from somewhere or from something. And how do we know that what we boast in? I think one simple test is thinking about the failures that we go through. And when we are facing the failure, the situation that really devalues us, where do we get our confidence back in? When we deeply fail, struggle, or when we are criticized, there are things that we tell ourselves to assure or affirm and bring back our confidence. And, and this is how it looks like. When, when someone boasts in wealth, when they are criticized and attacked, in terms of like they did something wrong, like morally, they think they're in their own hearts. You know what? I'm earning seven figures. You know, I'm better. Uh, no matter what, how much you criticize me, you know what? I'm I'm good because, you know, look at the money that I'm earning. And when someone boasts in their own wisdom or in their own, like, cleverness, when they are criticized, when they fail, they, they think in their own hearts, you know what? I, I know I have made a mistake, but I'm, I'm wise. You, I, I can't, like, devalue myself because I'm still a good and value repulsed person. I'm, I'm wise. And he's boasting in the wisdom. And in our time and age, particularly in Korea, I, I see people always boast in appearance and outer looks. You know what? I'm I'm gorgeous. I'm pretty, and this is my confidence as a human being. And then they spend a lot of time like maintaining um, that, like what uh, what brings them um, confidence and assurance. And a lot of times, I think what we boast in is a good things. I, sometimes it's uh, bad things as well, but a lot of times it's good things. It's, it's what's considered to be good in our own culture and society. You know, being honest person or being diligent person, having a good character or social status, you know, good and successful career. Um, they're not intrinsically sin or bad things. But also other times, I think we also boast in our own like, religious piety as well. You know what? I'm praying a lot. I know so much theology. I'm such a good Christian. So even when someone criticizes you, that's where you go back. Hey, you know what? But I, I know so much about theology. I pray a lot. But even with those things, and when you boast in those things, those things will, I think, always fail us. That that something that we find our security and and justifies our existence as a person, it, it fails us. But Paul here, Paul says, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, the cross that I look into, that's where I bring my confidence. That's where I bring my security and affirmation as a person. You know, Paul had many good qualities to boast in. It wasn't that he had nothing to boast in, but yet he chose to have his confidence and his fundamental security from the cross. So, what is the boasting in the cross then? The the message of the cross tells you that your destination is curse and condemnation. It's an offensive message we shared. It shows what we deserve. And it tells us the most significant problem of our lives that we cannot figure out. But that's not the end we know. It also tells you that the king of the universe stood and hanged on the place for you and on behalf of you. God says that the problem See that you see on the cross, the problem, the very thing that offended you because you see what's deserved on the cross, now that's not just your problem anymore. And that's my problem, and that's my issue. The curse that you deserve now, I take care of it. So trust in the Son who is hanging on the tree on behalf of you, and this is my salvation that i give you this is my grace that i give you and that's what christ has done he took what deserved what we deserve and he took it upon him and that's how he died on the cross and that's how he resurrected on the cross and that's what we need to boast in you know we draw our confidence in what god has done for us we draw our security on this God's grace that says that my problem is his. God is telling us that your problem that you cannot solve, that's now mine. And that's the grace that I give you. And, and in that God, we have our confidence. And that's what we boast in. We boast in the cross, not simply it's because it's offensive to us, but it's telling us that God is taking Care of that, and that's where we draw our confidence, and that's why this message of the cross is central to us. Now, uh, when we boast in the cross, it's not simply central and it's not simply offensive, um, but there is the power of the cross that we hold on to, there is the power that comes from boasting. In the cross, and what kind of power is it? It's not some sort of like mighty uh, performative power, but it's the power that frees us from our own like self-centeredness. It's the power that frees you, frees us from our own selves. And Paul leaves very interesting comment about you know people who insist circumcision. Verse thirteen, I think we read this. Um, He says, you know, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. Paul is pointing out, you know, they boast in their law-keeping. They take confidence in how well they do these things. Yet he points out, you know, they themselves do not keep the whole law. They fail to hold on to what they boast in. They fail to hold on to what they draw their confidence and security. And isn't it what true for any good things that we boast in? You know, it's fragile. It fails us one day. Those who boast in their wisdom one day find themselves like their lack of Wisdom. Those who boast in their appearance, one day they'll find out that it's not forever. And those who boast in their good character, you know, one day they will face the deepest and unresolvable sin and evil in their own hearts. Those who boast in their wealth, they will either lose it or they'll find themselves that they cannot take any of them until after death. It's fragile and all our attempt to draw our confidence and security from other things will fail us one day. And therefore, you know, when we boast in these things, you know, our lives, a lot of times, become about constantly proving who I am, what I am good at. And isn't it what we it's happening in social media, like TikTok and Instagram. Like people constantly boast in different things. Like whether their are looks, what they eat, where they live. But fundamentally, what people are trying to do is they try to prove themselves. We try to prove ourselves who we are. We try to prove ourselves where we find our values and our worth. And there is this tremendous pressure that drives us to speak about me. You know, our life becomes about promote me, prove me. And when that is denied, when that is attacked, you know, we, we get angry. You're deep in our hearts. You know, we're so tied to it because we boast in it. And we know that it will fail. It can fail. And, and we're... So anxious. But when we boast in the cross, I think there is a power that frees us from all our attempt to boast in something else. In verse 14, how does Paul describe this cross? Um, Verse 14, it says, By which, meaning by the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Here, Paul is not saying um, the world is crucified and it does not exist no no longer. He's saying that the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. And basically, what Paul says here is that the cross completely changed his relationship with the world. And there is true freedom that comes from this change because the confidence and security is not at what we usually consider to be glorious, but it's opposite because our confidence and security is now at what we consider to be like humiliating, what's not good. But we see like this confidence and security is from God and what He has already done for us. There is this freedom and the power to free us because now our relationship has changed totally. Our relationship with the world, this world is not the place or the things that we draw our value and our affirmation anymore. But this is the place that we serve and love. Now, as, as we're wrapping up, I, I just want to give an example like how this power looks like, because it's really hard to um, explain unless you really see this power. Um, When you meet a person who really boasts in the cross, not just being religious, um, but someone who really draws his security and confidence from God's grace and what God has done, you will realize that they are actually very attractive and appealing people. They are the people that you want to get along with, because people who boast in the cross, you know, do not get offended easily. Why? They deeply believe in the most offensive message in the world, yet which is true, and they they deeply believe and understand that they deserve to be on the cross. So they know, and they are convicted that their sin actually deserved this curse and death. So when someone attacks you, someone criticizes that person, they're not easily offended, or they're not getting angry easily, because they know, you know what, that's not only true, but they know that it's taken care of by God. And in such a way, they become empowered to love even their enemies. They can embrace those who are attacking them. They can embrace those who are considered to be, you know, like spiky in the community, and also people who boast in the cross are in part to love and sacrifice. You know, people who really boast in the cross knows that their relationship with the world has completely changed. You know, they don't see the world uh, as a place where they. Need to find something, you know. They don't see this world. Uh, consider this world as a place where they need to find a value, their own value, who they are, because they found one in the cross. They don't try to be a better person, or they don't even try harder to present themselves to be a better person, because they know that God took care of their deepest problem, and that's where their value and their significance and their affirmation comes from but they know that this world is the place that they need to love and serve and even sacrifice for the pressure the narrative that the world giving is giving us that hey you know what you need to be better you need to be better at this at this it's not the driving force for them anymore But what God has done is what drives their own lives. What he has done, the way that he took care of their problem, and his grace, his forgiveness is what is really alive to them. And it's what really drives their lives. They are willing to serve. They are willing to love. They are willing to even suffer. They are willing to sacrifice because they boast in the Christ upon the cross who loved them and who served them and who, who suffered for them. And brothers and sisters, isn't it the people that we want to get along with a lot of times? You know, we want to get along with people who are humble, you know, who are loving, and who are serving, and who embraces even when we make a mistake when we have done something wrong, who understands us and who still loves us. Isn't that what we want to see from uh, the people? Isn't that what we want to... Isn't that the qualities of the people that we want to get along with? And, And I think that's why the message of the cross is so important for us. Because the message of the cross is offensive to all of us, but when someone truly... Looks at the cross and boasts in it, the fruit of it is never, it's never offensive to people. It's very sweet, it's very appealing. And that's why in our scripture, Paul put cross up front in his message. And I, and I encourage you, church, boast in the cross. Our king died on the cross so that our deepest problem would be his and in the most humble and in the most humiliating way he has done greatest and glorious work for you and for me let's pray